0: Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's
1: edition of To Every Man and Answer as we start off this brand new week. Once again, we just want to remind you that as you read your Bible, you know, people are going to ask you questions. And that's why we're here for you, to help you come across something in the Bible you don't understand, wonder about what's going on in the world from a biblical perspective. Well, that's why we're here for you each and every weekday afternoon for about an hour, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Author and Finisher of our faith. And so, if you got a question you'd like to ask us, eighty-eight, eighty-eight, ask CSN is the number to call. And joining me today, Scott Parker from Calvary Chapel in. Well, you know, I, I still, I still think um, Crystal City is is there's no place like home. But anyway, uh, Festus, Missouri, close
2: to St. Louis. Hi and welcome. Hi, Mike. It's great to be with you. And, and you know, Mike, I, I know you like that name Crystal City, especially for a radio station. It is really good. But you know, Festus, actually, the name of our town came and was named after the Festus that's in the Book of Acts. Yes. Isn't that uh-huh. crazy? Uh-huh. It's it's just, yeah, it's wild. When they wanted to uh, change the image of the town and change the name, they actually picked, you know, this, this certain uh, lady who was elderly, who was a citizen of the city to uh, pick the name. And she literally did one of those things where she took her Bible. She opened it up and just pointed and her finger landed on Festus in the book of Acts. And that's how we got her name. Wow. So anyway, it's, it's yeah, it's kind of crazy, but, uh, uh, we, we endure it. <laughs> well, most of you know, Scott has a program
1: on the weekends, uh, and, uh, word for the church. And so I'm just really glad that, uh, you took time out of your busy day to come and be with us today. Look forward to answering some questions with you again. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight, ask CSN's the number call. We've got some lines open. You can be part of the program today by just calling. Let's go to the phones. We have Jeff on the line, Lamar, Colorado. Hi, welcome.
3: Hello. Uh, my question is, is on First Corinthians nine two. Uh, I had been taught that that was a witness test for uh, to be an apostle because you to be an apostle you had to be an eyewitness of Jesus Christ and then my buddy Randall was telling me that uh, uh that uh, Luke was not an apostle uh, was an apostle and he was not an eyewitness of Jesus so I googled it and sure enough he was Okay your
2: thoughts Well my, uh, as far as scripture's concerned, um, the Bible doesn't point out Luke as being an apostle. Uh, when you go back to the book of Acts and they were looking, uh, to replace Judas, uh, you find out there that what they were looking for was someone who had continued with them, uh, you know, during the ministry of Jesus and then someone who actually saw him raised from the dead. Um, also, when it comes to the test of the apostles, uh, you know, Jesus made a promise to them and said in Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and on, uh, he, he gave them these signs that would follow them. And so the, 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 uh, they were attested, the apostles were, uh, by the signs that the Holy Spirit was doing through them, uh, there in the first century. So, Mike, I don't know anywhere. I'm trying to recall in my mind, I don't know anywhere in the New Testament where it lists Luke as an apostle. It does list Barnabas as an apostle um, in indirectly uh, there in Acts 14, it speaks of uh the apostle's plural, and it was speaking of Paul and Barnabas, but I don't know anywhere where Luke was. You know, Luke was uh every you know, most Bible scholars believe that Luke was a Gentile and um and such so uh but i don't know of any scripture that tells us that luke was actually an apostle uh though he did write the uh the gospel of luke and the book of acts he's not usually listed as an apostle mike
1: yeah i don't know of any place where it says specifically that he was where did you where did you come up with that that uh, what did you look at that said that luke was an apostle
3: i googled it on uh uh uh, I I googled it. Uh, was uh, Luke an apostle? And it came up that he was.
1: Yeah. Well, they. Uh, I think they just took some some assumptions there that uh, the Bible doesn't state. So hope that hope that helps, Jeff. It's just it's just not there. And and again, very important though, uh, uh, Luke. But we don't find him being listed as an apostle. So I hope that helps.
3: It does. It does. And for all you brethren out there uh we 're living in a new age be sh- be sure to watch what you say and do because the government is probably watching you so
1: oh man there's cameras everywhere i mean I mean you can 't go anywhere do anything now that they don't know. They know where you spend your money because of your uh, bank records uh, they know how how i mean they know everything i mean it's interesting uh when it comes down to tracking cell phones and then when they do the ping and they they know where you were when you made the call and all these things it is just to me incredible uh the surveillance that is now upon uh all the citizens uh and so to me it's 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 a little concerning because when you when you see that you you realize that um for them to then initiate any kind of control over you is fairly easy and as I, I tell people all the time, your freedoms are vanishing as we speak. So being, being very much aware of it. So Jeff, hope that helps. And uh, uh, stay in line if you like, send you out the movie Jesus. Uh, great, uh, based on the book of Luke. I think you'll enjoy that. Let's go to Denise in New Mexico. Hi and welcome. Well,
4: hello there. How are you today?
1: Good. How may we help?
4: Well, I like a, a very important question answered. Um, the doctrine of the United Pentecostal Church on the Trinity versus the traditional Christian belief on the Trinity. What are what are the differences?
1: Well, and depending on which Pentecostal Church you're talking about, I, I think uh, um, uh, many of the Pentecostals. I believe the United Pentecostal Church. Uh, It's called the Jesus-only doctrine. It has other names, but primarily just to simplify things, there is no Heavenly Father, there is no Holy Spirit, it's just Jesus only. Now, they say Father is not a name, Holy Spirit is not a name, and of course that is completely wrong. And then when you go to uh, 1 John 2.22, there the Bible says, He that denies the Father and the Son hath the spirit of Antichrist. Very, very serious um, a declaration from the beloved disciple John concerning that. Now, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, we remember there was a voice from heaven as Jesus was baptized. This is my beloved son. We remember the Holy Spirit descended upon him as, as a, a dove and rested upon him. Uh, Jesus wasn't bouncing his voice off a cloud. Well, this is my beloved son. whom am I well pleased? No, not at all. It simply is that the Father responded. We find the Trinity mentioned, really, in the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word God there is the word Elohim, it is plural. Now, it, it, actually, it's, it's, it's actually three is what, it, what the word actually comes across as. Now, that's not up for everybody to say, well, there's Buddha and Zeus and, and you know, and there's, uh, uh, you know, all these different Mohammed. No, the rest of the Bible tells us who this Elohim is. And it's very important that we understand when he said, let us, plural, make man in our image, plural, that we're a triune being as well. We're a body, we're a mind, and we're a spirit. The problem is when they don't all work together, you've got real problems. You have people committing suicide that have perfect health. That tells me that there's a complete detachment from the body to the soul. The mind, Jesus said as well. Now, he said to Nicodemus, a high-ranking religious leader, Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. What does that mean? What died in man when they ate of the tree has been dead ever since. That sensitivity towards God. Jesus came as the second Adam and born his spirit into us if we will ask him to, if we'll ask him to forgive our sins. And I believe this is what's so important. So the idea that there is no heavenly father, there is no Holy Spirit, it's just Jesus only is not a biblical doctrine. It is false teaching. And again, 1 John 2.22 is explicitly clear, no wiggle room whatsoever, and also where Jesus was baptized, you have the Father speaking from heaven and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove resting upon him. Scott, your thoughts?
2: You're exactly right, Mike. And even though the word trinity is not in the Bible, it is taught in the Bible very clearly, like a lot of different uh, doctrines. You know, the word Bible is not in the Bible, uh, but we believe in it. <laughs> you know, uh, the same way with the word rapture, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but it's clearly taught well, the same way with the word, with, 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 the word trinity. And, uh, from, from Genesis, you know, uh, chapter one, verse one, first book of the Bible, or first verse of the Bible, it talks about, Elohim, God, plural, as Mike said. And so what's, what's important to understand is the, the United Pentecostal Church, Denise, uh, is also referred to by its acronym, the UPC. Um, and they believe in a doctrine that is called modalism. And Mike explained it to you there. It's, it's all called the oneness doctrine where they believe that there's not a trinity. There's not a father, son, and Holy Spirit, uh, that exist in three distinct persons. But what they believe is they believe that what Jesus, that what God did or what Jesus did is he, throughout time and throughout history, he changed modes. That's why it's called modalism. Uh, so what they'll say is in the Old Testament, Jesus was God the Father. He was God or Yahweh. And then in the New Testament, uh, he became a man and he became Jesus. And then after that, then he basically became the Holy Spirit, uh, in that sense. And so they just kind of believe it's to make it simple, like God just changed forms. He changed modes. And so what they don't believe is what we believe as Trinitarians. We believe that God is one God in three distinct persons who are equal in their glory, uh, in their, in their nature and in, uh, their, their power and all of that. Uh, and those who believe modalism don't believe that. Now I'll also go on to say this. Pentecostals believe in modalism, okay, Uh, smaller Pentecostals that believe in modalism. You have the the Assemblies of God, you have the Church of God and different, uh, the Foursquare church, different Pentecostal denominations uh, that hold to Trinitarianism, uh, Orthodox uh, beliefs about God and the nature of God according to the Bible. Uh, But you also have a group called the Apostolic Church. Uh, You'll see a lot of those um, you know, throughout the country and usually the name of their church is something, something apostolic church. Uh, they also hold to modalism as well. So you do have d- different groups within Pentecostalism that hold to modalism, but not all Pentecostals do. In fact, the greater amount don't. Uh, so it's important to understand that, but, uh, modalism and oneness doctrine, uh, is based basically it's, it's based off the verse. In Acts chapter two, verse thirty-eight, uh, where Jesus, or I'm sorry, where Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he told everybody uh to be baptized um so that your sins can be washed away and that you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what they also believe based on that verse is not only should you be baptized in the name of Jesus only, and they do they do emphasize this. They do emphasize the fact that That you, in order to be baptized legitimately in water, you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and no other way will work, (laughs) according to them, which is not what the Bible teaches, but that's what they'll say, and then I know the apostolic church even goes on uh, as far as to say um that when you're baptized in water in the name of Jesus, then you come out of the water speaking in tongues. They even take it that far. And uh, I know that some of these groups like this also will tell people, because I've had people tell me who've been part of these groups tell me, they told me unless I was baptized in Jesus' name uh, in water and came up speaking in tongues, I wasn't saved. And there's none of that that is scriptural at all. So you got to really be careful uh, because these groups can be very, uh, be very fringe and, and riding on heresy. So you got to be really careful of them, but just stick with what the Bible says for, because from the very first verse of the Bible, but the Bible explains God to us as one God in three persons, uh, in a, in a plurality. And, uh, so for us to understand that, it's difficult for us to wrap our minds around that. But that's what the Bible teaches about God. And as it's been said, if we had a God that we could completely understand, then you know what? He would be too small to worship. <laughs> so I'm just fine not being able to comprehend these things uh, or, or to, to be able to comprehend them. But I have to apprehend them. I have to believe them because they're in the Bible. So, Mike.
1: Amen. I hope that answers it for you.
4: It was an excellent aunt question that was burned on by some events in my own town. You certainly clarified it and made it just so easy to understand, and I thank you, God bless you both.
1: one one thing more uh as well, Denise, that they see they say, well, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, what's the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost yeah. uh that this is where they just err so far off the Richter scale in the name of means by the authority of, and it's by God's authority, we baptize anybody. So they did, and, and, and people did get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they did get baptized in Jesus' name. Paul fortifies this in Acts 19, coming across some believers that he found. He said, since you believed, have you been filled with the Spirit? And they said, we don't even know of any such Holy Spirit. Paul responds, Then how were you baptized? Because as going under the water, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They said, we don't even know of any Holy Spirit. Then he said, then how were you baptized? We were baptized in John's baptism. And of course, that would not have had the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost name in in the authority of who's being baptized. Now, important to remember in order to convert to judaism from the pagan religions you would renounce your pagan deity you would embrace yahweh as your lord and then you would take a ceremonial washing the baptism and so when john came to the jewish nation saying you jewish nation you need to take a ceremonial washing as if you were going from a pagan religion to worshiping Yahweh because they believed, the people in general, Pharisees believed, that they inherited their spirituality from their ancestors. Our father Abraham, they would chide with Jesus, or Moses taught us, they would say. And so that's where it comes from. But their error is, well, what's the name? They don't understand in the name of means by the authority of. It's not trying to say what's the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It means by the authority of. If you're in a bank and there's a plainclothes cop and somebody's robbing the bank, stop in what? Stop in the name of the law. Well what's the name of the law? That's the same logic that they're that they're failing to to understand. So I hope that helps. And uh, Denise uh, stay online. We'll send you out the movie Jesus based on the book of Luke. I think you'll really enjoy it,
4: okay? Oh, hey, you don't happen to have a teaching on this subject that somebody could buy or, or request, do you?
2: Your thoughts, Scott? Well, Shannon, or I'm sorry, Denise, um not particularly, but um, if you go to our YouTube channel, um, I did a message called What is Water Baptism? And in doing that, Teaching, I touch on this subject in that teaching. So if you go to YouTube, uh, and go to Calvary Chapel Festus and just hit videos and scroll down until you find a teaching called What is Water Baptism? Um, I bring this subject up and talk about it, uh, it, for a little while. So that might help out. I hope that helps.
4: It sure did. Thank you. Bye bye.
1: God bless you. Let's go to Shannon in uh, Cottonwood, Arizona, and by the way, the number eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask CSN if you got a question you'd like to ask us. Hi, Shannon.
4: Hi. How are you?
3: Good. How may we help? Yes, my husband asked me to ask you guys when Lot when the visitors visited Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, he offered his daughters, but my husband got confused because he said they were already married, so he just didn't know why he. Offers daughters who are married. I, I know that he, they didn't. He didn't want him to be with the, the angels. I, I think the visitors were disguised or were angels in disguise as humans. Correct?
1: Yes, and they weren't married, and so uh, that's what we have to stop at there. Um, they uh, and uh, what what is interesting is Lot's behavior in offering these angels came to his house and according to Middle Eastern tradition you want to do everything you can to make your guests the most comfortable that they can possibly be. So they came and while they're there in the house the homosexual men from the city came and wanted to have uh, relations with these perceived two men. Lot knew that they were something a whole lot more. So he offered his daughters to them to really be gang-raped. And this is really uh, uh, shows that Lot, though he was a good man, his judgment, living in a completely wicked society, was greatly affecting him. No real father, thinking straight, would ever offer his daughters to probably be raped to death. And that's what he was offering this mob, this gang that descended upon his house. And so they didn't want the women. They wanted the men inside. And God struck them with blindness. And the Bible says they continued, after they're blind, groping for the door to get inside. Interesting story. It was totally wrong, what Lot did, considering his daughters. It was uh, unconscionable. There's no explanation for it. It's simply just that I believe Lot living in a completely moral, debased society began to affect even his judgments concerning his own family members, your thoughts.
2: You're exactly right, Mike. And you know, it's really interesting because to us, it just seems so absurd, which it is. Um, but you have to remember, as Mike said earlier, uh, in their culture and their time, hospitality was king and part of your duty, uh, as one who is entertaining guests and having guests in your house and staying with you was you had to do everything you had to do in order to protect those guests. They were staying in your home. You were their protector. And so that's also behind why Lot said, here, take my daughters. Don't take these men, um, is also because it was his responsibility to protect these men. Uh, but you know, Mike, I, I think it's very clear to see, um, that, you know, Lot, Living in Sodom did have an effect on the way he thought and the decisions he made, and uh, I believe that's why when you go over to uh, Peter's writings, when Peter mentions uh, Lot, he calls him righteous, uh, but he talks about how him living in Sodom vexed his soul. Uh, You know, you you can't as a Christian you can't live in the world system and be part of that and it not affect you and you the way you think. And because belief determines behavior, it affects the way you live and the decisions you make. Uh, so it's very important for us as believers to have a biblical worldview. And, uh, you know, when you adopt the ways of the world and the thinking of the world, uh, then you make very poor decisions. So, Mike. Amen. So
1: I, I hope that answers it for you.
3: Yes. Thank you so much. You guys are, thank you for being on the radio and educating um, us because you can never stop learning about God.
1: Well, we just we just want people to grow in the Lord and have good defense for their faith. That's so important. Stay in line, Shannon. We'll get out to you. The movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy it. And God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Debbie, Hawaii. Aloha.
4: Hi, um, I've called you before, and I still enjoy your show. Great. Um, I have a question about uh, John five twenty four. Where it says, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Mm -hmm. So I know we all face either the uh, uh, Bema seat or the um, judgment seat. That other one that the non-believers go to. Judgment. Yeah. Yeah, there's two two
1: judgment seats. There's the Bema seat judgment. Which is the reward seat judgment for believers, and then there is the uh, the uh, ju- the judgment uh, of the unrighteous, which all their deeds will be will stand. And uh, we we from what we gather in Scripture, there there are degrees of punishment in eternity. Some beaten with many stripes, some with few. We we find this in the Bible, uh, but uh the the judgment for our sins was put upon Jesus on the cross. And whoever will accept that judgment of our personal sins of Jesus on the cross when he died, that blood was shed, we're forgiven if we'll accept that great gift. Now, if we go, I don't want to hear that stuff, I'm a I'm a pretty good guy. Me and God got a little deal going. I've heard, I mean, if you share your faith at all, you're around people, you're going to hear all kinds of stuff. I, we, me and God got a little deal. Or my big buddy upstairs. Well, he better be more than your buddy. He better be your savior. And see, that's the thing that we come across. But Debbie, I I, I, um, I want to talk more about this on the other side of the break. Um, Scott, your thoughts too as we come back. <laughs> We want to talk about uh, not being judged. In fact, the Bible says judge not, and you will not be judged. That means condemn not, and you won't be condemned. Talk more about this in a few minutes. We'll be right back right after this.
4: Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's metashare Maybe you've heard switching to Metashare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch to the customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than three billion dollars of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 855-91-Bible. That's 855-91-Bible. 855-91-Bible. More than ever,
0: pastors need to feel people's love and support. Over the last few years, many pastors have seriously considered leaving their church. But 1 Thessalonians 5.12 instructs all churches and all Christians to show and share their deep appreciation for those who minister to them. There is no better time to do this than Pastor Appreciation Month in October. And there's no better way to do it than using the easy as one, two, three Bless Your Pastor materials that are available for free at blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Plus, the great news is that if your church uses the 123 Bless Your Pastor materials, the pastors at your church will be offered a $300 scholarship application to attend a Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage retreat. What a blessing this will be to your pastors and their spouses. For free materials, go to blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org.
1: Welcome me back to part two of Trevor Every Man Answer here on this Monday afternoon with Scott Parker. I'm your host Mike Kessler. We have Debbie on the line asking about well judgment. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, and Debbie, so you're exactly right. The Bible does make it clear, right? Second Corinthians chapter five, also uh, First Corinthians chapter three, that all believers are going to stand in judgment before the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to receive rewards for our service to him, for our faithfulness to him, that judgment has nothing to do with sin because our sins have been judged and dealt with at the cross when Jesus took our sins upon himself and put them away forever. And so the judgment, the only judgment that we have up ahead of us is a judgment where Jesus is going to take the works that we've done and then he's going to reward us for those works that were done with the right motive uh, for doing the right thing with the right motive uh for him in obedience to him. Uh but what's interesting, the reason that you see the word judgment there, uh Mike hit the nail on the head right before the break. Well, he he was telling you the truth in everything he said, but right before the break, he made a comment and he said uh that Jesus said, Judge not lest you be judged. Which means condemned. And Debbie, that's what that word means here. So in, in John chapter five, verse 24, um, where it says judgment there, if you read this in the King James version, it actually says you shall not come into condemnation. So Mike was exactly right. We are going to go through the judgment seat of Christ in the sense of receiving rewards from him, from him, but it will only be the unbelievers. Who in the white throne judgment at the end of the millennial reign and before the new heaven and new earth, uh, happens, what you have is you have the uh, white throne judgment, uh, where all of the dead and at that point, the dead are the unbelievers because all believers, Old Testament saints, the church, And tribulation saints, all the believers have been resurrected from the dead. So the only people dead at that point are unbelievers. They will be resurrected to stand before the Lord Jesus in what's called the white throne judgment there. And Jesus will judge them according to their works. And then he will banish them forever to the lake of fire. Now, what's interesting, and Mike also brought this up, which I think is important. uh, Why would Jesus take people who are unbelievers who are already in hell, resurrect them and judge them according to their works. Uh, Because as Mike said, there are degrees of punishment in hell as there are degrees of reward in heaven. Not every Christian is going to receive the same rewards for faithfulness and obedience to God um, in heaven. We will all go to heaven and spend eternity with the Lord because of our faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us through the grace of God. It is by grace that we are saved through faith, not of works. Uh, but when it comes to our works and Jesus uh, rewarding us for those, not every Christian is going to receive the same reward. And it's the same for unbelievers who go to the lake of fire. Not every unbeliever will, rec- will receive the same degree of punishment. Uh, if you think about it, um, would it be fair for God uh, to take, you know, let's say you had someone who was a moral person and did good things in their life, uh, but they refused the gospel and won't humble themselves and give their life to Christ. They're going to go to hell. But if they lived a good moral life, should they receive the same degree of punishment, let's say, as Adolf Hitler? You know, of course not and God is fair in his judgments and, and this is what I love about the Lord um you know um it was Abraham uh speaking of this uh when the Lord and the two angels came to him uh when they were on their way to Sodom if you remember and uh the Lord the, the I'm just, let me say this Abraham said to the to the uh to the Lord uh he said shouldn't won't the judge I'm sorry won't the judge of the earth do right when he judges people? Okay, and that's the point. God is so, He's so just and fair and right, uh, that even when it comes to unbelievers who will go to the lake of fire, He will even judge them correctly, um, and not condemn them all to the same degree of punishment. But again, hell and the lake of fire is somewhere we never uh, want to end up, uh, separated from God forever, which is eternal death. So, uh, it's important to understand that word there, judgment is speaking of the judgment of the unbeliever. It's speaking of the condemnation or literally the damnation, uh, that unbelievers are going to receive. So when, as Jesus says here, if we hear his word and we believe in him, uh, he will give us everlasting life and we will not come into that judgment of condemnation. Praise God for that. Mike.
1: And the Bible says that they'll be tormented forever in the book of Jude. Yes. It is not annihilation like some of the cults teach. Uh, hell is real. Hell is forever. And everybody living today is determining where they're going to spend eternity. And so it's so important, Debbie. I hope that answers it.
4: Yes, yes. I'm taking a navigation course so for discipleship. So this is really important that I know what judgment they're talking about, the condemnation.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and to understand something else, when people die today without God, they go to Sheol, the place of the dead. It is torment. Jesus spoke of it. This is where the rich man was at. Uh, dip your finger in the water. Cool my tongue. I'm tormented in the flame. He told Abraham to tell Lazarus. But that's not the eternal lake of fire. The eternal lake of fire is at the end of all things. That's the end at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, when everybody's works have come to full fruition. Now, let me explain this. Just because a person dies doesn't stop the wickedness that they set in motion while they lived on this earth. Same can be said for a person who loved God. You invested your life into your children to give them a godly heritage, and they're walking in the Lord. That is, you, you put that in motion. But think of the people... That start a cult. Maybe there's only a handful of them at the time. Now there's millions of them simply because of a lie, because some guy was a con artist, or, you know, wanted to make a uh, money or whatever it might be. Maybe his ego, whatever it is, there might have only been 20, 30 people when the individual died. Now there might be millions. Imagine the judgment of that person. So death does not start, stop the accumulation of a person's wickedness. And that's why the great white throne judgment is at the end of all things. Because all of mankind, it's done. God has uh, given the opportunity to be his bride. Those that reject will be punished. Those that accept will go into the new Jerusalem and there will forever be with him. Debbie, I hope that helps.
4: Yes, thank you very much, thank you.
1: Debbie, God bless you, stay in line, send you out the movie, Jesus. Great to share with your Navigator friends as well. I think you'll enjoy it based on the book of Luke. Let's go to David, Massachusetts. Hi, welcome.
3: Hi, how are you doing? Good, how can we help? I have a question. Yeah. Yes. Um, so my question is, my son, um, he doesn't believe
2: in hell. How can I teach him? Um, okay, your thoughts. Well, David, I would say taking to the scriptures. Uh, taking to the scriptures, especially where Jesus talks about hell. Um, Jesus talks about it very plainly. He talks about it as a place where there is fire, uh, where the fire is not quenched. There's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, especially if you go uh, to Luke 16, uh, which Mike just referred to uh, a moment ago. Uh, and Jesus is talking about two men. He's not telling a parable there. He's not telling a story. He's telling an actual event. He's talking about uh, a man who was poor named Lazarus and uh, a rich man. And he talks about how the rich man, when he died, uh, he is in hell and that he is actually experiencing uh physical repercussions and physical things uh, because uh, of his sin. And uh talks about him, you know, wanting someone to take some water, wanting Lazarus, who he could see at a distance uh, in a separate area of paradise, which that's a whole different subject. But he wanted someone to, uh, or, or Lazarus, to take some, take his finger and dip it in water and touch his tongue. So all the imagery Jesus gives us of hell, um, it, it is all literal, um, And it's not, I don't believe at all that it's just a, you know, figurative speech or symbolism or anything like that. It's, it's literal. And so that would be the, the I think the best thing you could do is just get a good concordance, go through all the scriptures where Jesus talked about it and uh, just show that to him. And there's no reason to believe uh again, that it's symbolic or that it's not a real place. So Mike.
1: Amen. And um, you know, it, it is interesting to me that, um, I mean, you can go to the world and see that it's real. I mean, ACDC wrote a song, Highway to Hell. What do you think that's talking about? So I think that really when you look at it, um, if there's a heaven, there has to be a place of rejection. Now remember, to explain to him, hell was never intended for human beings. It was for the fallen angels. But if human beings want to rebel in the same way Lucifer did, then the reward is the same: eternal punishment. So I believe this is what you have to have to look at. Then the next thing is, again, when when someone says, "Well, uh, I, I don't believe in hell," my next question is, "Well, what do you, what do you believe in? Where what you know? Because you know, it, it isn't whether we believe in hell or not that gets us into heaven. It's whether we believe in Jesus Christ or not." And I, I, I use this illustration, but since it happened to me, I, I, I use it a lot. Guy came to me and said, you mean to tell me you base your life on everything the Bible says? And I said, well, by the nature of your question, you base your life on something. What do you base your life on? He's speechless. He'd never thought it through. And so I really believe that these are where asking probing questions will probably be one of the best things that, uh, you can do and and so um, you know not putting somebody down because they don't believe, but probing why they don't believe it, and in fact, what do you believe you know what what's what's your code what's your e- ethic you live by then and and if there's no eternal punishment, then why not be as wicked as you can be what well, What's the big deal that means that Adolf Hitler wasn't that bad. He was only living life the way he perceived it to be. Same with Stalin. Same with Mao Zedong. These, these uh, communists, uh, murdering dictators that that uh, murdered literally twenty million Russians. Uh, Stalin, fifty million Chinese. Mao Zedong. These these guys are are barbaric monsters, of course. Of course, you won't find that in any of our school books today. They're they're heroes. But in real life, people that lived it, who were alive to see it, knew what monsters they were. It wasn't just Adolf Hitler. So if there's no eternal punishment, what's the big deal here? Who's to say whether what they did was right or wrong? So you want to begin to um, break through that... that uh, um, that that wall that they have i believe david to get really into where they're at and i hope that helps
3: yes yes it definitely does thank you so much
1: well i'm i'm glad you called in today and i'll send you out the movie jesus okay
3: thank you yes
1: all right and 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 great for great for evangelism show your friends um i'll send you uh god of wonders as well uh for your son okay
3: be great. Thank you.
1: David, God bless you, and thanks so much for the call. If you need us, we're here for you. Let's go to Samantha, Palm Springs. Hi and welcome.
4: Hi. um, I'm calling uh, because I um, was listening to you on the radio a little bit earlier um, concerning the water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, The Bible says you can baptize either way. Mm Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. Um, I know that I uh, believe in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I know I um, under the,
3: uh, not necessarily the apostolic, but the, uh, the apostles' doctrine. And, you know, I just was kind of a little bit confused. You were saying some stuff, and according to Acts 4 and 12, it says, you know, neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is none other name under heaven, given among men whereby we must be saved that name is jesus
1: right because buddha didn't die for your sins muhammad didn't die for your sins all these others didn't die for your sins only jesus died for our sins where the apostolic problem comes in the upc is that they say there is no heavenly father there is no holy spirit it's just jesus only that is against what scripture teaches again and I'm glad you believe that, Samantha, because again, if you go to First John 2.22, it says, he that denies the Father and the Son hath the spirit of Antichrist. That's pretty serious. So, uh, But I wasn't saying that, no, you didn't need to be baptized, or uh, 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 being baptized in Jesus' name is great. Uh, there's not a problem there. Uh, but what it's talking about, no other name under heaven man can be saved, uh, you can't just be a religious person. Well, I just really believe, you know, uh, I'm, I, you know, into is Islam and, and I, I, I you know, no, religion never saves anybody. It's only Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for us. That's who saves us. Any other thoughts on that, uh, Scott?
2: No, you know, it's interesting, Mike, because, you know, as you go through the book of Acts, you know, you do see several times they baptize the name of Jesus. That's Okay. Um you know, but also our Lord Jesus said, you know uh he gave the commandment to the apostles uh to his disciples w- right before he uh, uh ascended into heaven and told them uh to go and to teach everyone what he had told them, and then they were to baptize those who believe and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, if someone, you know, looks at it like, well, that's Jesus. Okay. That's fine. Um, I know there's one scripture in the King James version, uh, Acts 10, I believe it's verse 48 where it says, and they baptized them in the name of the Lord, you know, um, so I, I think we get into a big problem when we, you know, make that such a big deal. Yeah. You know, it here's the, the big deal is, is when certain groups say, you know well if you baptize in any other way than this formula and say don't say these words but these words then it's no good B- because number 1 baptism has nothing to do with salvation in the sense of we don't we we you know our sins are are not washed away by the water we don't receive salvation whenever we get baptized so it's apart from salvation but it's but what it is it's a witness that we have been saved and so, when people, you know, go making those distinctions and say you have to be baptized in Jesus' name, or your baptism's no good, then that's where we get way off. And I think we're becoming legalistic in that point. And that, that's kind of what we're saying. So, Mike.
1: Yeah, I hope that helps. Oh, okay. Thank you, Samantha. I'm glad you called because uh, maybe if you had a question about that, maybe somebody else did. And I'm always, I'm always appreciative of of uh, people that call. We try our best to be clear, but. You know, sometimes I just, we just don't always do the best, but I hope that explains it for you. Samantha, I'm so glad you called dear.
4: Oh, my God bless.
3: Bye-bye.
1: You too. And say online if you like, send you out the movie Jesus for calling in. And again, it's really well done, uh, been shown all over the world. Uh, this is not like the chosen where it's made up and the disciples are all getting married and Jesus all of a sudden doesn't know what he's doing and... Uh, No, this is the real biblical Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy it, and uh, stay on. I'll send that out to you. Let's go to Joe in Corvallis, Oregon. Hi, welcome.
3: Hi. uh, My question is, uh, the ESV versus the King James, is uh, any one that you prefer? I mean, I know, Mike, you prefer the King James, Um. But also, uh was wondering if you guys would explain John fourteen twenty eight. 28. All right, thank you.
2: Okay, your thoughts. Well, you know, when it comes to either one of those translations, now, I personally, I prefer the King James Version, and the reason I do is because that's what I cut my teeth on when I was born again at 16 years old. And so I went to a church where that's what they used. Uh, not because they didn't believe any other versions. It was just because it was back in 1985 and that's what the church used. And that's how I learned the Bible. And, uh, I know it's more difficult to read, um, in this day and time because of the English. It's, you know, it's a different, uh, kind of English, a little older English. Um, now you have to understand the King James version we have today, uh, was revised in the 1700s. And it's not the sixteen eleven King James that we read from. Um, you know, if we looked at a King James uh sixteen eleven Bible, you'd most Americans who, you know, speak English would have a hard time even reading it and understanding it because of the way words are spelt and the way uh the language was but as far as the king james we have today uh i like the fact that it comes from the masoretic text in the old testament uh and the uh, texas receptus in the new testament uh i think it's a great translation and i think it hits the hits the spot um i know i do know that uh and i have some friends who are bible scholars when it comes to hebrew and greek and uh, they prefer the New American Standard version, uh, which is another word-for-word version that they say is more close to the Hebrew and the Greek. Uh, But the ESV, um, I know the Old Testament is from the Masoretic text of the Hebrew. But I think the New Testament text, uh, I don't think it's based on the text recept- Receptus. I don't think so. But I – you know what? I mean I don't – it's not that I have anything against the ESV. Um Some people – Prefer the ESV because it's just smoother and easier to read, uh, for people now than the King James. So that's why a lot of people prefer it. Um, but they're both good Bibles, and I really wouldn't, uh, you know, say anything against the ESV for the most part. So, Mike. I hope that helps.
3: Yep. And, uh, the, uh, the second part, uh, if you guys could explain John fourteen twenty eight.
1: You mean where where um uh the Jesus said I said I'm going to my father and the ESV does not have I said
3: No I'm I'm just saying just in general Not not whether you're going by one one or the other just just in general about what it's saying I guess primarily about uh the part where it says I'm going to my father for my father is greater than I
1: well, I'm going to my father for uh let's see. Let me I'll just read it from the uh King James. Um you've heard me say to you I'm going away, coming back to you. Uh if you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to my father and um for my father is greater than I. Yeah, because Jesus is again in his earthly body when he says this. Uh and understanding that when Jesus um, was in his earthly body, there was things with was evidently withheld from him, uh, such as, um, when is the sign of your return? No one knows the hour day, my Father only knows. Now, I know in heaven Jesus knows exactly when he's coming back, but in this earthly tent that he was in, it has and had its limitations. But... When Jesus got his glorified body, after he died, rose three days later, he now had a glorified body that was not under the same restraints that this temporal tent we all live in have. Your
2: thoughts? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, I what I would do is I would take that verse and I would compare it with Philippians chapter 2, where it says that Jesus, who was God, uh, actually lowered himself and took on the form of a servant when he became a man and that he was obedient to the Father, even obedient to the point of the death on the cross, and so what, what Jesus is saying there when he's saying the father is greater than I, he's simply saying that when he came to the earth, he did this in submission and obedience to the father is what he's saying. He's not saying that he's not God. He's not saying that he's less of God than the father is. He's simply saying that he came to this earth in submission and in obedience. To the Father. And, and we see that uh when he's praying in the garden uh before his yeah, crucifixion, absolutely. where he prays to the Father and says, not my will, but your will be done. And so it's a beautiful thing. And you know what's interesting? If you study this, the, the Gospels, you will see that each member of the Trinity in some form or fashion submits to the other. There's perfect harmony. Between the father, the son and the holy spirit. No one's fighting, uh, to, to, you know, to be the top dog, <laughs> you know, they're all glorifying one another and, and submitting and yielding to each other, which is a beautiful thing because it shows us how relationships are supposed to be, especially marriage. So, uh, it's, it's just interesting, but, uh, that's what Jesus is doing there. So I would compare that scripture with Philippians chapter two there in verse eight and on, cause that's what he's talking about. Mike. so
1: so, joe i hope that answers it for you
3: yeah thank you so much
1: god's good stay online we'll send you out the movie jesus and uh try to send you out um uh, god of wonders as well great video great for evangelism show your friends get it back lend it out again get it back lend it out again and you know uh when it comes to the god of wonders i always tell people uh lend it out say hey i got this video watch it tell me what you think of it and uh it, the very last segment deals with if God had a purpose for birds flying and how energy and salt is uh, stored. Imagine God's purpose for you, a live human being, throughout all of eternity. Great. So stay online, Joe. We'll get those out to you. Bert, the rest, please. Call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. Promise no waiting. Thanks so much, Scott, for being on today. Mm-hmm. Always a blessing to be with you. Look forward to being back with you. So until then, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. God bless you. Good night.
0: To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Everyman and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226